I don't always need them to choose songs uh, that would have the same wording or the same theme uh, as the message that I would feel to deliver in order to receive confirmation that what I'm preaching is from the Lord. I don't always need it, but it is nice when it happens. And uh, I'm going to speak tonight about our warrior God. God is fighting for us. So I might not be the most spiritual guy in the world, but I think God might be up to something here tonight. So I think we just need to hear what the word of the Lord would have to say. I believe the Lord would want to speak to us. Amen. From his word. Somebody said amen. amen. Our warrior God. There are, there are many qualities and characteristics that we know about God and that we love uh, pertaining to who he is. We know that he is our provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He, he's the one that heals us. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for a God that can heal. We know that he sanctifies us. We know that he loves us. Anybody feel the love of Jesus Christ in the house tonight? Amen. We know that he blesses us. And, and on and on and on we can go of the different characteristics and qualities uh, that God would have. And yet, yet there is one characteristic about him that I think, uh, especially if we've been in church for any length of time, uh, we, we know it to be intellectually true. We know it to be biblically factual. But sometimes uh, we have a harder time allowing it to become a practical reality in our life. This particular characteristic of the Lord. We know that when we would release him to do so with our faith, with our understanding of who he is... We know that our faith would allow him to provide for us and to heal us and to sanctify us and to love us and to bless us. But have we also released him to fight for us? To fight for us. Our warrior, God. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. Psalms chapter 138 and verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies. Thy right hand shall save me. You're going to put forth your hand against my enemies. You're fighting for me. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 9. He will... Keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. Verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. Woo. You see, God fighting for us is more than just words in a song. It is to be the reality of the saints. 
It is to be a revelation of the believer. We need to grasp the fact that God will fight on our behalf. Oh, somebody said amen. Now, we have to understand that when we speak of fighting, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't want you to get the mindset that God has to wrestle and he has to fight and that we know he's powerful, but he's maybe just a little bit more powerful and so it's going to be a battle and it's going to be a fight. No, we understand he has all power in heaven and in earth. And so when, it, when we speak of him fighting for us, we are simply speaking of putting our faith and our confidence in the fact that he is going to exact his purpose and his plan in our life. He is going to fulfill his will and his word in our life. Come on, somebody. He's going to accomplish in our lives that which he has already made possible to us by going to the cross and shedding his blood and rising again on the third day. He said, listen, I'm going to do that which I purchased for you at Calvary. I'm going to make it become a reality in your life. That's what it means when he fights for us. Anybody glad about it? Oh, hallelujah. The one who has all power in heaven and in earth is going to fight for us. The one who has the heaven as his throne and the earth as his footstool is fighting for us. The one in whom there is nothing too hard is fighting for us. I know we see him as a God of love and a God of tenderness and a God of compassion. And he is absolutely all of those things. But somebody needs to also understand that he's a warrior God. Somebody in the house who's fighting all kinds of junk right now needs to get a revelation of the all-powerful God that you serve and understand that he's ready and he's able to fight against everything you may be coming against even in this house. Yes, he's a God of love. Yes, he's a God of mercy. Yes, he's a God of grace. Yes, he's a God of those things, but he's also a warrior God. And he desires to fight for you. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. But here's the thing. There are, there are many that have possibly released God to fight for them. And yet, they are very possibly not allowing him to fight completely for them. I won't explain. Because there are two parts to a fight. Now, I haven't been in a lot of fights in my life. Fist fights. It's probably a good thing. But for those of you that have. <laughs> you, you, would, you would probably have to agree with me that there are, there are two parts to a fight. In order for one to be victorious in a fight, they, most, they must both protect themselves and attack. Right? More than likely, if you're just on the attack, the enemy's going to pop you a good one if you're not able to also defend yourself. And you're going to lose. And if all you ever do is defend yourself and not attack, you're going to lose. 
Any good boxer will tell you that in order to be victorious in a fight, you must have both defense as well as offense. You must be able to protect yourself from your opponent's attack as well as inflicting your own attack upon them. And so it is that when it comes to God, hear me now, being our defense, being our shield, being our protection, I feel like as a church, we have a really good understanding of that revelation. We know the book says in Psalms 30 and verse 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory, the lifter of mine head. Psalms 5 and 12, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor will thou compass him as with a shield. Psalms 33 and 20, our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalms 91 and 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Hear me today. I thank God today that he is our shield. I thank God that he is the protector and he protects us from the fiery darts of the adversary. But I feel the Holy Ghost wants to give us revelation of the fact that he's not just a God that defends. But he's also a God that fights. And I believe too many apostolics have an understanding of God as just being a God that will defend us. And we don't, get, we don't have the same depth of revelation and understanding of the fact that that same God that defends can also inflict. He's a warrior God. And here's the issue. And maybe this isn't for everyone, but I believe it's probably for many. That many times we see God the way we see ourselves. Because when we only see ourselves as having enough authority to just When we see ourselves as Christians, as men and women of God, spirit-filled believers, that we know we have power, we know we have authority, but when we see ourselves as just having enough of that to cover our head against the onslaught of the, of the adversary and know that we have enough power that his darts can't get us and his blows can't reach us because we've got this shield about us, then many times that's the way we're going to see God. That's how we are going to perceive God acting in our circumstances. So because we stay many times in a defensive mode, in a defensive spiritual posture, then that is the only posture and position that we see God residing in. Am I talking to anybody right now? So we simply see God as the one whose shield is taking the blows that we should have received. 
We see ourselves cowering in some sort of fear on the ground, spiritually speaking, and God is kind of hovering over us, and the enemy is this all-out barrage, just and we're just there, but thankful, thankful we got this shield that's protecting us. And we're asked many times in our lives that may be the case, and we do need the defense of the Lord and the shield of the Lord. The problem occurs when we get to the place where we can only picture God and where we can only see God as the one that defends. When he's also very much the God that fights. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like the Lord's helping somebody right now. And too many people are walking around in their Christianity in a defensive posture. If I can just make it through the day. Come on. If I can just make it through this. All hell's against me. and The enemy's out against me. And he's forming weapons against me. And on and on and on and on. And it's always about the attack. And, but I know the Lord's going to help me. And I know the Lord's going to keep me. And I know the Lord's going to, you know, not allow these things to come into my life. And he's going to be a shield round about me. What is it? It's fine. It's an understanding that the Lord will defend you. But you also need to have another revelation that he's a God that wars. He's a God that fights for us. I hope I'm making sense tonight. We read in the Old Testament where the children of Israel being chased by the Egyptian army and now they're fearing for their very lives and so they found themselves with the adversary behind them and the Red Sea in front of them. Seemingly without hope. The enemy's getting ever closer. The Red Sea is there. Seemingly insurmountable. So what do they start doing? They start crying. They start moaning. They start complaining to Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt just to die? You could have left us in Egypt. Yeah, we would have been in slavery, but at least we would have lived. But watch what Moses says in response to their moaning and complaining. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. And Moses says back to the people, fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall not see them again no more forever. Verse 14, and the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now, I want you to notice, and we're going to try to get through this quickly this evening, I want you to notice there were three principles tied in with the Lord fighting for them. There were three principles tied in to the Lord warring on their behalf. First off, Moses told them to fear not. Second, Moses told them to stand still. And then he told them to see the salvation of the Lord. And I believe that those same principles are still connected and they're still intertwined with the Lord fighting on our behalf even right now. Somebody say the first one he tells them, fear not. Somebody say, fear not. Turn to somebody and tell them, fear not. Turn to somebody else and tell them, fear not. 
Now, I, I, I want to talk to us here because it is impossible. Think with me. It is impossible to truly believe that God is fighting for you and be controlled by fear at the same time. Oh, hallelujah. You can't. You cannot be controlled by fear and also believe that God is fighting for you. Because whatever area of our life is being controlled by fear is also the area of our life where we are not allowing God to fight on our behalf. Whatever area it is, doesn't matter. If we have fear in our finances, then we have not allowed God to fight in our finances. If we have fear for our relationships, then we haven't released God to fight for our healing in that particular area of our life. If our past is causing fear in our emotions and in our interactions with others, then we're not going to release God to fight. And it's a signifier that we have not released God to fight for us in those particular areas in our lives. Whatever area in our life we have fear is a sure sign that we're not allowing God to fight for us. And the reason we haven't, we have not released him to fight for us in those particular areas is quite possibly because the enemy, hear me now, the enemy has so enlarged the reason for our fear. Whatever it is, the enemy has so enlarged it that we've gotten to the point where our source of fear is bigger than our God. Whatever it is, it has become bigger than God. That's why it is inducing fear into our lives. And that's why we're not allowing God to fight for us in that area. Now, obviously, it's not bigger than God. But how many know perception is many times reality? And if we perceive that the source of our fear is bigger than our God, then that becomes the reality in our thinking and in our mind. I'm not saying that we don't believe God is big. I'm just saying that sometimes we don't believe he's big enough when it comes to a particular area of our life. I hope I'm helping somebody. That when it comes to that certain area in our life, we don't think God is big enough to fix it. We don't think God is big enough to bring us through. We don't think God is big enough to redeem it. We don't think God is big enough to bring peace into that particular area of our life. And because we don't think he's big enough, then that particular area of our life induces fear into us. And so we, I think we would have to ask ourselves the question, if we truly believe that God was bigger than what we're fearing, then why do we still fear it? 
come on. We can get up and we can dance and shout all day long about God being big. Right? I, if, I if I'd be preaching a message right now about how big God is, you'd be hooping and hollering. and He's bigger than your sickness. He's bigger than... You know I'm telling the truth. So then why is it that we have fear in particular areas of our life? It's because in those particular areas of our life, God's not as big as we believe him to be. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, so now let's, let's take this out. If he's not bigger then whatever is bringing fear into our lives, then why would we ever have faith to release him to fight that area? If that area is bigger than our God, why would we have faith to release God to fight? I know you got to use your brains tonight. And so, so we don't. So we don't, we don't release him to fight. And we just learn to live with stuff. We just learn to live with stuff. Yeah, that's an area of fear in my life. And I'm probably always going to have that area of fear in my life. And I'm not talking about snakes and spiders. You know what I'm talking about. So, so here we go. So in order to release God to fight for you in reality... Instead of just believing that he can fight for you in principle. Yeah, God's going to fight for me. God's going to fight for me. And then you get to the reality of it and you're like, I don't think he can. So I, I don't want us to just shout about God being big enough to fight for us. I don't want us to just shout about God fighting for our behalf. I want us to actually do it. I want us to actually have the faith to release him to fight on our behalf. At some point, we are going to have to allow our perception of God to become bigger than our perception of what causes fear. Oh, hallelujah. Whatever that area is, whatever, and you're thinking about it right now. That's why you're so quiet. You're thinking of what that area of fear in your life is. And I fear this, and I fear this, and I fear my future, and I fear my relationship, and I fear this, that, and the other. Whatever that fear is, at some point, the word of the Lord is trying to encourage someone tonight to get to the place in your life where you can say, my God is bigger than the thing that is bringing me fear and causing me fear. Uh, my God's bigger than that. Woo. Because once you get revelation and understanding that your God is bigger than what's causing you fear, the moment you get revelation that he's bigger than that is the moment you say, then you go ahead and fight. You go ahead and fight that thing. I've got faith in you and in your ability and in your power that you can fight this thing you can fight on my behalf. Oh, hallelujah. See, I believe this is what the book is talking about. Psalmist David, Psalms chapter 34 and verse 3. It's, it's a, it's a well-known verse, and we've talked about this before, but it bears repeating. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. 
Magnify. Somebody say magnify. That does not mean make God bigger. So, well, no, yeah, it's, you know, you're making God bigger. No, God cannot get any bigger than what he already is. How do you make a God who fills all space bigger? How, how do you make a God who is just as much in our tomorrows and in our past and our todays at the same time, how do you make him bigger? It's impossible to make him bigger. That's not what David was talking about. He was not saying make God bigger. No, no, no. Magnify is a word that when you look at it, it's a word that means, that means to make him bigger in our mind. He's already big. He already is big enough. We just need to make him bigger in our own minds. In other words, we need to get revelation of how big he really is, of how powerful he really is, of how awesome he really is, about how much of a warrior he really is, about how much authority he really has. We need to magnify him. It's not talking about praising him. It's talking about getting an understanding of him that makes him bigger than the thing that's causing you to fear and causing you to worry and causing you to fret and causing you to stay up all night long, causing you to cry yourself to sleep, causing you to pop the pills. We need to have an understanding that our God, I feel my help coming now. Somebody needs to understand our God is bigger than all of that. He's bigger than what you're facing. He's bigger than what's causing you to cry yourself to sleep. He's bigger than what's causing your future to look so bleak. He's bigger than what's causing your past to haunt you in your present. He's bigger than all of that. He's bigger than your struggle. He's bigger than your deficiencies. He's bigger than your failure. Bigger, he's bigger, he's bigger. So what do we got to do? We got to get to the place where we stop magnifying our failures and magnifying our losses and magnifying our pain and magnifying our suffering and magnifying the stuff that brings us fear and we need to get to the place where we say we're going to magnify you Jesus and I'm not talking about praising I'm talking about my mind getting revelation of how big you are and when I understand you're bigger than all the mess I'm going through I'm then going to have the faith to release you to fight on my behalf you got it you got it I got faith, God. Fight for me. Fight for me. Oh, hallelujah. So many Christians are in a corner, in a defensive posture, and they live their whole life like that. Hoping Jesus comes so they can get to the rapture and get out of here. That's not the will of God. He is our defender, but he also fights for us. We need to get that revelation and come out from that mindset of just defensive all the time. Start operating in an offensive manner. Oh, hallelujah. How many know you're probably not going to do much for God if you're in a defensive posture all your life? 
right? You're probably not going to accomplish much in ministry if you're constantly in a defensive posture. Just, well, I, I dodged another one. You know, the shield kept me from another one. I made it through another day. If our only hope is to say, stay saved another day, then we're probably not going to do much for ministry because our success is just being saved. Ooh, that was good right there. So we need to get this revelation. We need to get understanding. He's a warrior. He wants to fight for us. We need to move beyond some of this stuff. And after we make him bigger in our minds, I, Psalms 34, 3, I'll magnify the Lord with me, make him bigger in our minds. I want, you to sh- I want to show you this. After we make him bigger in our minds than everything else that may be facing against us and causing us to fear, look at what the very next verse says, Psalms 34 and 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Not some of them, all of them. <laughs> Come on, somebody. David is saying, listen, if you'll magnify him and if you'll make him bigger in your own mind and get revelation of how big he is, he said, you're going to then be able to release him to fight against your fears and he'll deliver you from every one of them. There's not one of them big enough to keep you down. There's not one of them big enough to destroy you. There's not one of them big enough to hold you hostage in a place of defensive posturing for the rest of your life. But if you'll release God to fight for you, he'll deliver you from all your fears. Oh, hallelujah. Perfect example of what I'm talking about is the enemy had Elisha surrounded. The enemy had him surrounded. They were intent on killing him. And we read this, 2 Kings 6, verse 14. 2 Kings 6, verse 14. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, the host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what are we going to do? Enemies totally surrounded us, horses and chariots all around. Look to the front, the back, left and right, everywhere I look. The enemy has us surround, surrounded. What are we going to do? Verse 16, and he answered, the man of God answered back to the servant and said, Fear not. You don't have to fear this. This does not have to be a source of fear just because it looks a certain way. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire. <laughs> Round about Elisha. Ooh, somebody came to battle. Somebody came to war. Horses and chariots of fire. Ooh, that's tough right there. 
And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now understand, the only reason why his servant had fear was because he saw the enemy as being bigger than God. That's why he has fear. And Elisha knew that the moment that he received revelation of the greatness and the supreme power of who God is was also going to be the moment that the fear would leave and the fear would subside. Oh, hallelujah. And the moment the revelation of God's supremacy became a reality was the moment that the Lord could then exact his warfare against the adversary. He didn't, he didn't come against the adversary until after revelation came. Open his eyes. And once his eyes were open, the scales fell off, and he saw them. Then, it, then, then the Lord was released. Then the Lord worked on his behalf. I'm simply trying to help somebody to get to a place where the scales of our eyes would fall off, and we could get revelation of just how great and powerful and mighty our warrior God is so that we can begin to put our faith in him in order that he will begin to fight for us. Instead of cowering in fear because of what we see, because of what we hear, because of what we feel, because of what we see and hear and feel, it causes us Defensive, defensive, defensive. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. God is bigger than that. Bigger than that. Watch this in Second Chronicles. Everybody good? Second Chronicles, we find another place where the enemy had encamped round about God's people to destroy them. But then the man of God by the name of Hezekiah stood up and he said these words. Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of this Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. This is the enemy that's all with him. For there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves, come on somebody, upon the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. They rested themselves upon that fact. It was almost like they settled it. They rested. They fell back. They trusted the word. That they're coming to us with the arm of flesh. But we have the Lord God Almighty on our side, and he's going to fight for us. Oh, hallelujah. So they allowed their vision and their understanding of God to grow bigger than what they perceived their enemy to be. And they allowed God to fight on their behalf. But here, here's what I want to show you. Also want to show you how the Lord chose to fight on their behalf. Second Chronicles 32 verse 21. 
So they, put, they rested on that word. They put their faith and their confidence that God was going to fight for them. It released God to begin to fight for them. And look at what it says, 2 Chronicles 32, verse 21. And the Lord, this is so cool to me, the Lord sent an angel. <laughs> Which cut off all the mighty men of all the mighty men of valor, and the leaders, and the captains, in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he was coming to the house of his God, they they that came forth of his own bowels slew him there with the sword. Notice now, the people of God had faith to believe that their God was bigger than the adversary. That their God was bigger than that which previously caused them to fear. And this enemy that they once were so afraid of was completely annihilated by one angel. Just one. That God sent to war on their behalf. Everybody say one angel. Now, this is just cool to me, so just hang with me, all right? Just to keep all of this into perspective and to show you the power that is on our side. I take you now to the book of Revelation where John the Revelator gets a vision of heaven and more specifically he gets a vision of the angels that were in heaven. And it's then that he tries his best to describe the number of angels. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11. And I beheld... And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of these angels was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Hear me now. If one angel could destroy this entire army, then what do you think two angels could do? On our behalf. But there isn't just one angel and there isn't just two angels and there's not even just a thousand angels. There are so many angels in heaven that John gave up trying to count them and he just said there are thousands and thousands of them. We need to get a revelation in our minds that there are way more that are for us than the small insignificant number of those that are against us. Somebody needs to put your faith in a warrior God that he can say, I'm just going to send one angel and he's going to take out your mess. It's going to take out your adversary. It's going to take out your enemy. It's going to take out what's coming against you. But somebody needs to put your faith in that in order to release God to do what he wants to do. And that is to fight on your behalf. It takes faith. It takes faith to release God to do what he's promised. There's way more on our side. I said there's way more on our side. But now let me show you this real quick. We're hurrying. We're hurrying. For Moses said this. I told you there's three things and we're, we're hurrying. That was the crux of it there was Exodus 14, 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. We just talked about that. Stand still. Somebody say stand still. 
Now get this. When he told them to stand still, he wasn't talking about physically standing still. Camp where you are. Stay in one geographical spot. But in reality, the phrase stand still literally means to stop talking. <laughs> All kinds of stuff is going in my head right now. I better just move on. Stop talking or refrain from speaking. In other words, what Moses was telling them was that when you magnify the Lord, and when you put God back into the preeminent place as ruler, most powerful being, that is going to affect what you say. It's going to affect what you talk about. Because when you know God's fighting for you and you have the faith that he's bigger than whatever it is, then you're not going to keep talking about everything that's wrong all the time. You're not going to keep talking about how everything isn't working out and nothing's this and everything's terrible. You're not going to keep talking about what could happen and what might happen. You sneeze and you start talking about you, you must have some terrible disease. I better go home and Google it. I think I got it. And you speak these things. Every little ache, every little whatever is a big problem. And you speak it. I probably got that. I probably got this. And you speak it and you talk about it. 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 Come on, saints of God. It's time for us to speak truth. It's time for us to speak hope. It's time for us to speak faith. It's time for us to speak healing. It's time for us to speak vision. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's time to us not to fear. It's time for us to stop talking about all everything that's negative uh, that we've been talking about, all the COVID stuff and on and on. And I know some of that, that, that that's a reality. Uh, but there's so much fear that is attached to all of it. And so many people, that's all they want to talk about. Come on. I want to talk about a God that's a healer. I want to talk about a God that's a deliverer. I want to talk about the fact that, listen, in the middle of a pandemic, we're going to have revival. We're going to grow. The church is going to grow. Blessings are going to come upon us. You're going to be blessed going out. You're going to be blessed coming in. I don't want to just talk about everything negative. I don't want to talk about everything that's has its source in the fears of my life. I want to put God as the potentate of my life, the ruler of my life, and let him fight for me. Woo. And it's going to show up in what I talk about. Um, somebody said amen. Then lastly, 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 Moses says, Exodus 14, 13. Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you. Notice, Moses, he just, I, 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 
you got to see the way it's written here. I think it's important. Moses told them, see the salvation of the Lord. Watch for how the Lord is going to deliver you out of your mess. Now, I, I want to point out the fact that he told them to be looking for how God was going to fight on their behalf before he ever told them how he was going to do it. Did you catch that? It didn't matter how God chose to do it. It didn't matter how God chose to fight for them. They had released him already to fight on their behalf. So now they were just watching to see how he was going to do it. Some, some, they're like, hey, we know he's going to do it. The, the point I'm trying to make is they knew he was going to do it. They had already released him to do it, so they knew it was going to happen. They just didn't know how. Some might have thought he was going to send warring angels to destroy the enemy. Others might have thought the earth was going to open up and swallow the adversary. Some might have thought that they were all going to be smitten with some sort of disease. Others might have considered some other way that victory was going to come about. But all of them knew it was going to happen. Even if they didn't know how it was going to happen. Why? Because they had released their God to fight on their behalf. Oh, hallelujah. Woo. You see, my friend, when you truly have the faith to get to the point in your life where you can release God to fight on your behalf, you just know it's going to happen. And then somebody says, how is it going to happen? And you say, well, it could happen this way. <laughs> or it might even happen this way. Or it might happen a hundred different ways. But it don't matter. I don't need to know how it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. I see the salvation of my Lord. I've already seen it. I've already know it's going to be accomplished. I've already released him to fight for me, to accomplish his will in my life. I've already put my faith and my confidence in a warrior God, and I know he's going to do it. I know he's going to come through. I know he's going to make a way. I know he's going to do what I need him to do. He will fight on my behalf. But how's it going to happen? I don't know how it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. I've already seen it. So as I close, I speak to the person in the room tonight that has no idea how God's going to work your problem out. Individual sitting on these chairs right now that has no clue where your answer is going to come from. It's to you that this book would encourage to release God to fight on your behalf. And then have the faith and the spiritual confidence to start looking for how he's going to do it. Ooh. It's happening. It's absolutely going to happen. It's absolutely going to happen. He will fight for me. For once the children of Israel crossed the sea on dry ground, and once the enemy was destroyed with the waters coming crashing back down and all the enemy was drowned, it was then that God's people wrote a song to commemorate this moment. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 3. Ready? Look at the song they wrote. The Lord 
is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. The Lord is a man of war. Somebody needs to release him to war on your behalf. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody in the house needs to release him to war in the mess that you walked in here with. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Another passage describes him like this, Isaiah 42 and 13. The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, he shall roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. Yes, he's our defender. Yes, he's our shield. But somebody needs to get revelation of the fact tonight that God is a God of war. Stand to your feet if you would. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Maybe this message wasn't for everybody tonight, but I believe somebody in the house needs this. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder if somebody can lift your hands right now. I wonder if somebody can lift your hands and your voice right now. I wonder if somebody could release God with your faith. Come on, somebody's been facing fear. Fear has been tormenting you. Fear has been tormenting your mind. Fear has been tormenting your spiritual vision. It's been tormenting your relationships. Fear, 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 fear. Come on, it's time to get out of the corner. It's time to pick yourself up. It's time to see yourself not as this individual that has to just be defended all the time and hopefully you'll make it until the rapture. But you need to understand God's going to fight for you. It's time for somebody to get up and go on the offense. 